I'm Roy Sharples. Welcome to the Unknown Origins podcast. Why are you listening to this podcast? Are you seeking inspiration? An industry expert looking for insights or are growing your career? I created the Unknown Origins podcast to provide access to insights and content from creators worldwide with inspirational conversations and storytelling about art, architecture, design, entrepreneurship, fashion, film, music, and pop culture. Francesco Cedeta is an author and publisher at Penguin, where he oversees Penguin Workshop and works with authors like Dolly Parton, Anne Hood, Jessica Hitchie, and publishes series like Who HQ, Mad Libs, Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys, and Little Engine That Could. The third book in his graphic novel series, The Pathfinder Society, publishes in August 2022. He's produced the Emmy award-winning The Who Was Show for Netflix and has a podcast called Queens of the Roundtable. Hello and welcome, Francesco. So what inspired and attracted you to the publishing industry in the first place? (laughs) It's a great question. Um, You know, I'll be honest with you and say I didn't want to be in publishing in the beginning. I... Um, I was in my early twenties and I had, um, finished NYU. I went to NYU and I had, um, an idea for a show that ran, that wound up running off, off Broadway for about five years. And I lived in the East village and it was the mid nineties. And I thought, Oh, you know, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to follow the the rent dream and I'm going to, you know, be a downtown artist. And, you know, the show was actually pretty successful, but of course made no money. And my parents who are really supportive, wonderful people, um, called me one day and they're so not these people and said, we met someone, uh, and it turned out that it happened to be the person who at the time pretty much owned random house. Wow. <laughs> and my parents, my parents never met people. My parents were like, <laughs> they stayed home. They didn't go to parties. <laughs> you know, they really were like, they were at home a lot. So it was like such a shocking phone call. And the next day my phone rang and it was, um, the HR, an HR representative from random house. <laughs> and I was so pissed And I went for this interview and at the time I had blonde hair and lots of piercings (laughs) and I wore a ruffled tuxedo shirt and uh, Navy sailor's pants and platform shoes (laughs) to this interview. This poor, poor woman who I walked into in her office and I sat down and she said, I think you should be in publicity. (laughs) So so, you know, we actually had a great interview and she was lovely. And, you know, I, I, I always try to find out what her name is because I feel like I owe her a yeah. huge bouquet of flowers or something. <laughs> and I wound up, so I wound up interviewing the next day um, at Knopf, the uh, adult, uh, part of the adult division at Random House. And Knopf publishes sort of the very sort of cool, literary, kind of creme de la creme of, of, of adult titles for Random House. And um, I met with the person I wound up working for, and I just sort of fell in love right then and there with publishing. I, I was a writer. I'm a writer. I always have been since I'm a kid. And the way that he spoke about books was so exciting to me. And the way that he appreciated books was so exciting to me. And that is actually when I realized there is a career here for me in publishing as a storyteller and as someone who loves to hear stories. So that's sort of how it began. That's fascinating. And it, it, it sounded like as well that it just 
came out of a trapdoor, really unexpected. It totally did, and yeah. Facil- facilitated by your, your your parents, which you said that they were the most unlikely to co- come up with an Absolutely. entry like that. And that moment of serendipity became the pathway to your destiny and have lived happily ever after. But what a haven it must be to be a writer, an avid book lover, and ultimately run a publishing business. A perfect marriage. It, it really was. And, and, and it still is. You know, I... I started in the publicity group as an assistant and, you know, you learn a lot there very quickly. You learn how to talk about books in a certain way, you know, and you learn how to talk about, I'm going to be honest, books that you don't necessarily like that much or that aren't aren't interesting to you, but you still, you learn how to find the love and the connection to the books because it's your job to. And that was a really, really nice way to really take a big step into the industry. Oh no, for sure. And like, like you said, that that, that must be ex- extremely challenging. You know, like when you're someone that's an avid book reader, you're very passionate about things, and when something maybe comes along that it just doesn't, you know, float your boat, but you still have to kind of be constructive about it, or you may have to make a decision that's more yeah. um, market based or business based, right? Whereby, well, yeah. it actually f- addresses a market niche, and there's a potential to generate. Yep income out with that and maybe making those decisions that maybe don't fit your values and tastes that that must be quite challenging sometimes it, it can be absolutely you know i i'm in the children's world now after that job uh, my first job i i went into the children's world and have been there yeah. for uh 20 or so years and the children's world is interesting when you when you think about all the things you just said and you think you look at the marketplace and you look yeah. at what kids are wanting to read and how reading um, styles are changing and how there's different interest at different times in certain kinds yeah. of books and how we're having huge, you know, interest in graphic novels right now, which I believe really is because of the the real popularity of Wimpy Kid and, and kids yeah. learning how to read on Wimpy Kid, you know, so the marketplace in children's especially is so interesting and it sometimes really informs how you think about books you're going to publish for sure. Oh, for, yeah, definitely. And, and I think as well, the, the role that you have and running the team that you do that is such an influential um, position that you have around influencing young people and that next generation of, um, you know, youth culture that's kind of coming through. And those memories um, in terms of the what you're subjected to at a very young age, whether that's book, books, pop culture, music, art, whatever it is, it's, it tends to stick with you throughout life. And, and certainly yes. someone who's became a creator, right? I mean, a lot of those early memories and influences that I have, they manifest themselves in really peculiar ways when you go into the work workforce and you end up designing and making things that you always really loved and were passionate about, but they come out in, in different ways. But you can follow that red thread all the way back to being a, a young person mm-hmm. in terms of the influences that shaped um, your, your kind of tastes and style at a very young age. So it's a very influential role that you have against a, against a, a, a really buoyant um, audience. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I was a really reluctant reader as a kid. I, reading was very challenging for me. And um, I grew up in a household of readers. My mother and father were, are tremendous readers. My yeah. mother sort of has the pristine uh, hardcover book, you know, on the bedside. And my father has the sort of bent in half, you know, sort of supermarket version of, of yeah. a book, you know, that, that he sort of lugs around with him and reads sort of everywhere, you know, and they just love to read. And, and so for me, as a kid, I just didn't like it. And they were so patient with me. And 
I'll tell you that, you know, it really was because of choose your own adventure books that I became a reader yeah. because a, they were really fun. Right? right. But I think for me, the thing that I really liked about choose your own adventure at, at, at that age and really respect now is no one really ever knew where you were in the book. So even as a slow reader, you know, because you hop around that book and you go from page one to page 47 to page 96 to page 16, <laughs> no one actually knew where you were in the book. So I, there wasn't that embarrassment of being a slow reader. Yeah. And it really was because of those books. And, you know, still at my parents' house in a box somewhere are like, is my collection of children adventure books because they, they changed how I think about writing, reading, all of it. It was, it was, my parents were so thrilled when we figured that out. Oh, yeah. That's fascinating. Excellent. Yeah. So, so what is your creative process in terms of how do you make the invisible visible by dreaming yeah. up ideas, developing them into concepts, and then bringing them to actualization? Well, it's interesting because I sit on both sides of the desk, right? So I'm an author on one side and on the other side, I'm a publisher. So on the publisher side of the desk, you know, I, I think about it. I mean, I think there's sort of the same answer, but as a publisher, what I do is I believe my job is to find people who have a story to tell and who need possibly help telling it or just an avenue to tell it. Yeah. And once we find those people, and yes, of course, we work with agents and all of those things, but I'm really open. And that's one of the biggest parts of my group um, at Penguin is that we're open to hearing from people who are not represented. It's hard sometimes, but yeah. you don't always need an agent. And so once we find that person, whether through an agent or not, you know, it's really rolling up the sleeves with that person and really understanding the story that they need or want to tell and helping them figure out the best way to do that. And sometimes that's obviously in children's that is through illustration or with illustration, you know, that's finding the exact right cover and sort of pairing and making a team around that person to create the thing that they have had in their brain for so long. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot of people to pull it out sometimes because, you know, especially for writers, I think, you know, it's, it's a tough thing to be a writer sometimes and it's tough to actually manifest that idea onto the page. So we put the right team, I hope, around those people that, you know, the writers that we bring in. And, and you know, we make at my, in my group about 250 books a year. Wow. So we're, we're a busy group. And I really think, and I hope, I mean, I always cross my fingers when I say this and I'm grateful for it, but I think we have a lot of very many, very many happy, happy authors and illustrators who I think feel like part of the team. And that's, that's really the most important thing. It's a precious thing to, to take someone's ideas and help them bring it to, to the world. And, and I think that this group does it so beautifully and with so much care. And then on the other side is the writer, you know, I, I sit here at this desk that I'm sitting here at right now and I got to stare at the screen and then I, you know, get distracted by Google and Instagram and call my friends instead of doing any of the writing I'm supposed to be doing. But when I finally get to it and, you know, for that glorious 20 minutes where you're like, I'm connecting to it right now. Yes. Um, you know, it, it's, it's this such a, uh, intimate personal experience, obviously, but then, you know, I, uh, when I show it to my editor who I have, um, you know, it's this exciting moment, right? Because it's new eyes and it's someone that you trust and it's yeah. someone that's going to say like, wow, here's where this is great. And wow, here's where this is really terrible. And here's why. <laughs> and so, you know, but, but again, I think, you know, on, on both sides of that creative, um, journey, you know, it's just a lot of handholding and it's a lot of like turning on lights in dark corners to, to get things to actually come to fruition. Absolutely. That's, that's really well put and, and resonates yeah, re re really well. What are the key skills needed to survive and thrive 
as a creative leader in the publishing industry? I think in a way, resilience obviously is important, right? And that's probably true in every job because you just need to be able to bounce back. And I think as a creative person in, I mean, look, it's publishing. It's not that corporate of, of a place, right? But it is a corporation. It is a business. Yeah. Um, as a creative person, you know, I have to say, feel really lucky to be, um, supported and sort of held up by the people around me, um, and by, by the company, because, you know, I'm a pretty emotional person. And so, you know, I can wear things on my sleeve a lot, but so I think resilience is really important. I think a good group of people around you that you feel really supported by that. And that's up and down, you know, above yeah. you and sort of at your level and in your group and on your team, um, a really good martini with friends every now and then to just really kind of <laughs> laugh it off yeah. is really important. Um, and I honestly, I do think it's, I think it's the people. I think, I think it's a team of people who are as creative or differently creative than you are who just want to make great stuff. And that's so inspirational. So even when you're having a bad day, you can really turn to the people around you and see what they're making. And it just feels great. I mean, I'm lucky in a way, right? Cause it's children's books. So even at the end of the longest, worst, let's say every day, you know, it's a meeting and it's eight hours of meetings or, you know, cause there are days like that. Yeah. At the end of the day, I, you know, I can say I made, I'm making children's books, you know, and, and that, that feels really meaningful, you know? So I feel like, at least, you know, at the end of a long, hard day, I, I can say that and sort of rest my head pretty, pretty happily. That's excellent. The, the, the key, one of the key words you said there was emotional. And I, and I, I can totally <laughs> see this come through in your, your personality in terms of how that emotion, um, you know, will, will drive, obviously, your, your passion, but also how it, will, how it inspires ideas and creativity. And, and I, th I think that's a great thing. And it's, it's especially an effective thing for your audience, right? Because I think there's a sincerity yeah. in terms of listening to you now, kind of going through this this podcast and how you conduct yourself there's a real authenticity i've been a penguin for 13 years and when i got interviewed like the first interview um with my the, the man who hired me who's not with the company yeah. anymore but a, a tremendous wonderful leader and and just a great friend but we he took me for a walk and we walked around soho it was at nine thousand degrees and i was like in a blue blazer and it was hot <laughs> and it was terrible and we were just talking and he's a really nice guy he's just a, a sweet smart guy and he did the thing of like i'm gonna I, i'm gonna just like ask some like, you know, interview questions. And I was like, sure, of course, you know? And he said, um, what's your biggest strength and your biggest weakness? And I was like, the answer is the same. I'm emotional. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's a huge strength because I think, you know, people see me for who I am and I am pretty upfront about who I am with people, but, you know, and I think that makes a nice team. The weakness is like when I have to shut my door and, <laughs> and, and pout and, and, you know, and, and get really upset because, I, because yeah. it happens because, you know, that's just who I am, but but I, I am given the space to do that, which I appreciate. <laughs> Fantastic. Brilliant. So as you reflect upon your career to date, what are the lessons learned in terms of the pitfalls to avoid and the keys to success that you can share with existing, but also aspiring publishers? I think the biggest thing that I've learned, and of course I didn't realize I was learning it, right? But, you know, I had a lot of different um, positions that sort of never made quote on paper made sense to lead to the title of publisher. Um, you know, I was a, a, an assistant in the publicity department. I worked for the scholastic book clubs uh, in a sort of creative kind of creative role. I 
became the paperback marketing director for Scholastic. And then I became the creative director for Scholastic. And then I became publisher. So my path was quite odd and didn't make a ton of sense, at least on paper. Yeah. And so I, I, I think the pitfall, though, thing that, that you're talking about is um, there's no one track. And I think, you know, when I speak to young people in, in, the, in their careers and, and, you know, like if we speak to like the intern groups, which I always love doing, you know, when they come in for the summers, yeah. one of the things I always say is like, there's not one direct path and you kind of never really know where you're going to land. You just kind of have to keep on finding the interest and, and going after those interests. And hopefully that, that leads to something, you know, that feels really meaningful. And I don't see how it couldn't, if you keep, going after interests. Um, I think that's a big mistake of people where it's like, I'm going to be an editor. And it's yeah. like, well, okay, but <laughs> yeah. there's a lot to get there. And there's also a lot after that. Um, you know, there's a lot of things after that. So I think it's just to be really open and to listen to what's happening around you, of course, and in the industry, but also what's happening in internally, because your interests may change or your interests may, may grow in a way that surprises you as you learn new things and new skills. Um, it, it, it's, I think gone are the days where you sort of sit down and, you know, roll up the sleeves of the manuscript and that's all you do for your yeah. job. You know, publishing has changed quite a bit. Indeed it has. Publishing has been primarily disrupted by the internet, whereby it has been democratized where more people can contribute their own ideas, stories and opinions and become authors of their own books. Because the access and comparatively low cost to create, publish and amplify a book across the globe has been enabled through advances in technology, which is a perfect segue into the next question, which is, tilting forward, what's your vision for the future of publishing and what's the role that creativity will play? You know, I, I firmly, firmly believe that books are here to stay. You know, we've had those, those years where it's like the book is going away and yeah. everything will be digital. And I just don't believe that because I believe that the connection a newborn to a 90 year old makes with a book is irreplaceable by anything else, but an actual book. Yeah. And, you know, I'm lucky because I, I feel fortunate because I, I published for sort of birth, you know, so like when a baby is first born, those board books that you give to the yeah. parents to about 14 or so years old. So like, that's a big, Huge. big change, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a big audience and, and so many different nuances in that audience. And, you know, I, I believe that, there, there are a few things that you can finish and then feel like you want to hug. And a book is one of them. And I think, you know, you see a 12 year old do that. You see a little kid do that with their favorite picture book. And frankly, I have friends who read books who like, I know how much they cherish that book when they yeah. close that, 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 you know, that, that cover. So, so to me, the future of publishing is, it is here and it is stronger and bigger and better than ever. And I think that we are, at a place where we actually are rethinking things and rethinking formats and rethinking yeah. how, how books can be delivered to people, which I love. Um, I love playing with format in my group a lot. That's, a, that's really exciting. But I think the role of creativity here is to keep rediscovering what a book means and what a book can be. Because um, like I said a while ago, talking about how graphic novels have become a thing, like, you know, it's because people are keep thinking and keep keep thinking creatively and keep trying to reinvent and change this 
amazing format that's been with us forever, you know? And so I, I, I can't wait to see what the next 10 or 20 years brings in publishing because um, especially after the past two years that we've had where people have been inside spending so much time with books, you know, book sales really, really did really well yeah. during this terrible time because people wanted stories. And I, I think that we're going we're gonna to see books in an entirely new light coming out of this now. That's an exciting prospect at their best. Books inspire people to take action by building connections, understanding perspectives, and broadening our capacity. Creativity will continue to be the difference people will make in the future, leading to more innovative and experiential ways of consuming books to help people learn and grow from generation to generation. Do you want to learn more about how to create without frontiers by unleashing your creative power? Then consider getting Creativity Without Frontiers. How to make the invisible visible by lighting the way into the future. It's available in print, digital and audio on all relevant book platforms. You have been listening to the Unknown Origins podcast. Please follow, subscribe, rate, and review us. For more information, go to unknownorigins.com. Thank you for listening. 